0: i mean if somebody knows me they would be like anwar talks about relationships all the time anwar is you know like an aspiring someone who wants to be a father and wants to be a husband and wants to be so you know i hang a lot i I hang a lot on the the idea of being in a partnership a lot but then my attachment style is avoidant so like i'm clearly literally like i'm literally going left on what I'm, i'm saying i want right which is like For me to have language, it's like, okay, well, which one are you, you know, it's like, and if you can't put language to, you know, your attachment style, um, then you might just be someone who perceives as if you're taking a hiatus, you're just working on yourself, and you live in fluff land for way too long, you're pretending as if you're no, it's, it it creates a different energy when you're like, avoiding sounds like I need to do something about it, you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, you're avoiding. You're not working on yourself, Anwar, you are avoiding. Like, Mm. you are avoiding, are you scared of intimacy? Like, how does that, like, if someone said that to you and I was like, am I scared of intimacy? Right. Maybe I am, like, maybe I'm not just like avoiding to avoid, I'm like, maybe I'm scared of opening up to somebody in a very vulnerable state and I'm not ready for the challenges that come with that, though I might be ready for the responsibilities that come with the relationship. Like, there's differences, right?
1: Welcome back everyone to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings every week we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity men's mental health personal relationships conscious leadership and powerful guest appearances men we see you we hear you and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity let's get into today's episode welcome back everyone to another episode of the modern masculinity podcast i'm your co-host tk And it's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. A Squared and CK are back at it. We are talking today about attachment styles. We're working the conversation off of last week, which was the five love languages. So we felt it appropriate to talk about uh, what seems to be new information, but is actually not. It's just kind of the way that psychology is developed and talking about how we attach to people in our lives and to our intimate partners. Before we do that, though, Know what time it is? Mood, mood check. check. Yo, coach, check, I, check, check, check. Yo, what's going on, my man? What's shaking, What's shaking. How's my mood today? Today is excited. Today is excited. Today is excited because I have made. I guess you could call it a declaration, or just a maybe more of a commitment to the niche space that I want to now be coaching. Um, And I have decided to uh, officially commit, which I probably should have done earlier, to men's coaching. So I decided that it's time to make the transition because uh, of this work, because of the youth work that I'm doing. And just, it seems like, you know, it's always easier and more beneficial to speak from experience and to support from experience than it is to try to, you know, wrap it around in like an all, end all be all kind of moment. So I have officially made the decision. I have, uh, you know, done the whole Instagram bio change. So people know, um, and I am actively now kind of working on what the next steps are for creating program and what's valuable. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited. And, you know, it's funny being, being in this space and being a coach, it, the Instagram bio is just seems to mean everything to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, because it really does speak to obviously what you are doing, but there's so much pressure. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, if I had to get this wrong from an entrepreneurial side, then you won't feel like you should invest in this space if I get this wrong. Mm-hmm. Which, it's such a fascinating story and mindset that sometimes comes with this. Um, so I came in and I think it speaks to this podcast. I came in and said, supporting men in deepening their relationship and conscious connection with self, partner and world very clean, concise. And I feel like it speaks to what I do and what we're doing even here as well with the podcast. Um, So just kind of finding that clarity, right? Getting rid of the chaos a little bit and just planting that root of like, this is where you're going just feels really good. So I feel really excited. So that is my, that's my mood. No, that's awesome, man. Congrats on you know finding that.
0: I think anytime you can get very a lot more specific in what you do, it just makes the confusion of what you do go away too for yourself. You know, you show up to the game with a lot more twenty twenty vision. You understand kind of where you're trying to get to, who you're helping, who you're serving, um, and so anytime that that happens, I'm super excited for people. It, the, the 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 bird's eye view sometimes of life can be very overwhelming you know the like looking at everything from a bird's eye and trying to have to package everything it's 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 super exhausting it's super hard to do um so when you can get narrow and you can get very you know specific um i think it creates a lot more of a impactful concentration of effort and
1: energy um, absolutely absolutely um, how are you, Poppy? You got the red, you got the vibrancy on. You feeling, you feeling hot and fire flames? What's happening on your end? Listen, you see, you see Muhammad
0: Ali in the background. You see the, you see the boxing gloves. I'm ready to fight. He's um, ready? Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I feel like I'm running out of time. Uh, my, my time in Winnipeg is coming to a, like you know, coming to an end. And so like, I have to now go back to the shifting gears of now I'm back in Toronto and what does that gear feel like? And, um, and so on one end, it feels like, you know, I'm, lo- I'm leaving something that I'm not really quite done with yet. Um, I'm not, you know, I, there still feels like there's people I wanna see, there's still memories I wanna create, um, it's summertime. You know, it's uh, so I feel like I'm running out of time. I feel like I'm like playing really, really fast right now. I'm trying to do a lot of things and it's diluting the quality because once I feel like once you start running out of time, you're just trying to get things in. You know, you're just trying to see people and you are just trying to squeeze in as many things as possible where where when you have so much time, you focus on the quality of the things that you do. Um, And so feel like I'm in a bit of a time crunch which which sucks but I can always come back um and then I'm just mentally preparing for this gear gear shift of like going back to Toronto figuring out that regime again figuring out that routine it's going to be a completely different city when I get back this time it's way more open people are doing things so just like going back into a world where there's people outside and people are hanging out and like I haven't seen that Toronto in a long time so um being able to kind of you know uh, get back into that routine and that regimen, I'm pretty excited about. I'm, I'm excited to see what, you know, summer has in store um, for Toronto and for me and um, new for new relationships, too. Like I never really got to enjoy an open um, like my cousin moved there and we've been pretty much locked down this whole entire time. Right. So it's uh, being able to get back out there and actually be like, OK, cool, let's let's do things that we wanted to do and not the things that we could do. Um,
1: so I'm excited. Uh, about that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You're so right. It's such a transition too. Do you feel like you fear the that that step, or is it just kind of more of just anticipation anxiety?
0: uh yeah not fear i wouldn't say fear i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not worried or scared but it is a, a little bit anxious like just you know getting back to um i think the world is pretty like anxious about getting back to things like it's like we're all a little bit like are we going to overdo it are we going to go too much um you know calgary will see what they do they're going to open up and have a, a stampede i feel like the stampede is going to be the first test for canada of like this is what it looks like when you open it back up and you say people can hang out again um so yeah i think we're also all kind of like socially shy a little bit right now like we've just been like in our own little bubble for so long and now it's like we're gonna go out and talk to people again and we're gonna like socialize and uh,
1: listen i actually i think i have to counter that because i have bared witness to what it looks like as if it was what it used to be and it is not socially shy I, I So, so Calgary, um, has pretty much been open. Um, we've opened up inside dining gyms are open. Like we're, we're pretty, pretty back to normal. The biggest difference is that on July 1st, we'll have all limitations and all restrictions lifted. So no masks, uh, everything will be open. Like nothing as if, as if straight nothing cowboys straight cowboys. Um, and even just now, you know, it, it's so different. It's so different where people are just like, they're going out, they're crazy. They're talking, they're flirting, they're doing all the things. There's fights everywhere because people just like are letting loose. Like it is, it is a, an interesting vibe for sure. Um, so I think that socially shy, yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's happening for some, but I think most are like, get me back to normal. Get me back to what it used to be. And that was represented for me the other weekend when I was out and about downtown. It was crazy. I could see it. I could see it. I feel like you can only be socially shy
0: for so long. Um, yep. i like I'd, I'm I'm a more of a social butterfly, I would say, and I've I've noticed that like I've just gone socially awkward or during or during mm. this time, like I've just gone socially like awkward with my communication style to strangers, at least like, you know, like that's where I was like, you know, I would, I would separate myself from the pack of like, yeah, anyone can talk to someone that they know, but only a few of us can talk to people that they don't know. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so I would, I would thrive. It would be even Steven. Someone I knew, someone I didn't know, I could carry a conversation with equally both. I'm noticing now, I I'm still good at carrying conversations with people that I do know, but people I don't know, There's been an adjustment period. I'm not as good as I used to be or as natural as I used to feel in that in in that exchange, because it was like, should I even be speaking to you? Should we be this close? Like, you know what I mean? So um, just kind of getting back to that kind of um, that normal bubble that I'm used to being in um, will be probably a little bit an adjustment, but Mm -hmm. one that I'm willing and want to get back to. So Give me give me the social awkwardness for the couple months. Then the lockdown. Let me let me let me let me let me play my cards. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited. So getting into today's episode. Um, yeah, we're talking about a topic that I had no no, no real framework for or understanding before, um, you know, we were playing that card game. Uh, we are not strangers. I believe it was and mm-hmm. love languages had come up. Uh, and we were talking about love languages, and that conversation kind of, you know, took its own, took its own course and ran its own course. Everyone kind of spoke on it, uh, and then Kyle, out of nowhere, kind of came up and was like, "If you really want to get into it, you guys should look into attachment styles." Now that's crazy. And I was like, I remember hearing that for the first time being like, you know, I'm one of those people who will write notes in my phone after or like being like, oh, what is there? Am I missing something? I'd never heard of this attachment styles before. Um, and then so when we were brainstorming topics that we wanted to talk about, we just natural that like, we did the love languages. And then this came up naturally right after. And it was like, OK, so, you know, Kyle, when you kind of first came into the space of like attachment styles, like what was it that, you know, you thought was um, important? What was it that you thought was interesting or what was it that you also, you know, found intrigued
1: or caught your curiosity. Mm, hmm. Yeah, I remember playing that game. That was that was a great night. Uh, I think that was was that for my birthday? Yes yeah 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 um the testament to how well people know me i remember just having that conversation what should we do and again you know for me birthdays were hard and do i receive i don't really want to ask and i don't want to inconvenience people so i don't really give options and then someone brought up the idea of playing that game and and i was like yeah absolutely let's do it and i still felt weird about it because i'm like am i burdening people with my desire for deep conversation and so it's very fascinating but i'm very thankful that we got an opportunity to do that and Uh, as far as attachment style goes have you ever heard of the idea of like hero worshiping no okay so it happens sometimes as we um i know for me in the personal development space it's really easy to fall into if you find someone who you feel like is the end all be all and for me that was Tony Robbins and it was like okay now I almost worship the ground that he walks on because he seems like he has all the knowledge and he knows all the things and he's built the life that I feel like I could have and he does the stuff I want to do and so we start to worship them a bit subconsciously so when they say one thing we're like yep truth they say another thing yep truth and we just we just are worshiping basically everything that they say and So I I catch myself sometimes in that space of like, I love this person and I love what they stand for and what they do. So then they say something and I'm like, yes, that's it. Even if I don't, I haven't even put much thought to it. I'm like, yeah, boom resonates. That's how I live my life now. Um, And so what ended up happening was um, Connor Beaton, who runs a podcast called man talks, he runs an Instagram space called man talks uh, has really been in the men's space for a while. And I've always respected and appreciated and valued everything he has given to me in my life. And so I said, okay, you know what, let's sign up for, I think what he calls his Alliance group, which is essentially an online platform that offers weekly calls and book uh, recommendations and book clubs for the month and stuff. And it's just for men. It's kind of like tether, just on a different context. And I remember going in and I was like, whoa, like, look at all these men in this space on the zoom call, like here, engaging this in conversation. This is amazing. And I started following a few people. It was a great experience. And then the call that we were on was week one of the book that they were reading this month, which was called attached. And I hadn't heard about it before. And I just knew in that moment, I'm like, oh, they're reading this book. Go read this book. Like it was just, there was no question, right? So I walk in and I download the book like instantaneously and I get it and I start to read it. And I'm like, oh, this is super fascinating. Like, I, I, I'm i not quite sure exactly what I'm learning yet, but I this is cool. And I think yeah, I found it even more cool because of where it was coming from, you know? Like, th- Sometimes we just give a little bit more value to things because it comes from someone we respect and value and appreciate in our life. And that's what I was doing. So when I said that in that moment, it was very much, I think, coming from this uh, potential hero worship idea where I am excited for this. And I was amped for it. And then I got into learning, right? And we've done our research a bit to obviously come into this conversation and have it today. And I realized that the, the attachment styles are super, super powerful, really simply just to put language to where we're at.
0: That's what mm-hmm. I learned.
1: I, I, they're very much a language referencing where you now understand to an extent of yourself more clearly, mm-hmm. I really think is what these provide. So we'll all talk about that. Um, and then I'll talk about, you know, my challenges with it. Cause I think that it comes with it some challenges too. Um, so that's kind of my story. That's kind of how it came to be. And that's why I was so excited. Yeah. That what was that concept hero
0: worshiping hero worshiping. Yeah. Yeah. I- dangerous game to play. I think that we do that a lot, like naturally just um, because also we just don't even Yeah, I just, I've never heard of that concept before, but I think that, yeah, we, it's especially in today's society where everyone is a brand, everyone's an influencer, everyone is, you know, um, sometimes we'll take someone that we love in this world and try to bring them into this world because they've spoken on that one thing that's out of their comfort zone. Um, But, you know, because we love everything else about them, we carry those thoughts over um, as if we don't, we should, we should have our, our people for different sections of life. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're all human. No one's perfect. Um, And I actually don't think that, you know, Tony Robbins wants to be Worship like that, or you know, like, like it's there. Like, I'm a human too. That puts weird pressure on me um, to be like, I can't speak. Because if I got all, all these worshippers, um, you know, on one end, it, there's a high level of accountability because I know there people follow me and people like, you know, worship what I say. So I have to like, you know, carry myself to a certain level of like um, conscious thought. But then on the other end, it's like now I might not say things because I'm so worried about being I'm worshiped so much that I can't really say or be, make mistakes or do the things that are human. Um, so dangerous game to play. No, cool to know when you're when you're playing that game, because like you said, I would have, you know, the book hadn't even been really completed by you at that point. You hadn't even fully read the book yet. You hadn't really digested the book yet. But because of who introduced you to the book, you had a very emphatic energy about presenting this information to other people. Right. And it's like we do that all the time. All the time. Um, but sometimes we're not aware. We don't even know why we're carrying such a such a high energy for something. And I think I've been guilty of that many a times before, where um I've been had I've been checked and I've been like, like you know, why do you feel that so passionate about it? And then my answer is so empty. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's so-and-so said it. <laughs> and it's like, well, what does so-and-so know about this space? And you're like, oh, I'm in this trap now. No. Yeah. Um, it, just goes, it goes back to like, you know, saying, do your own research and come up with your own thoughts. Um, and, you know, you can love people and not have to love everything about them uh, and still love them. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, right.
1: And understanding they're human too. Like, you know, they're, they're probably going to give you, they're my likely going to give you knowledge based on their experience Mm -hmm. and it might resonate with you and you can still appreciate it and enjoy it and value it. But are you just now like adopting it without having, like you said, any context or any real research or like, okay, but what's the counter to this? Like maybe there's a counter. Maybe I agree in the middle. I don't know, but just allowing it to kind of be more of a space of just not accepting everything as truth and just being able to be like, okay, that's interesting. I like that it resonated. Why did it resonate? what's the Mm -hmm. value for me? And as you start to have that conversation, I really realized I'm like, okay, like I I understand that. And it was really honestly too, it's a bit of an ego thing. It's a bit of an ego game where like, I give you information from this person because they're a hierarchical space, right? Like I quote Tony Robbins and you're like, whoa, Tony Robbins, right? Like it's like, whoa, Um, it's a bigger hierarchical space where if I just said, hey, I created this quote and I say this, you're like, oh, cool it's the there's a difference right so when i say this quote came from this person i'm like yes my ego likes this yes feed it um and when i say something like ooh try attachment styles i know or at least i feel i know that not a lot of people know about it right so then i share that and then it's like ooh he knows all these cool stuff look at how wise and knowledgeable he is you know it sometimes comes from that as well so i recognize that in that moment i might have been leading from that and uh that's why it was such a an emphatic response is because i just felt like ooh, you know like attention, in help validation, which we search for all the time, which is very, very fascinating.
0: Yeah, And so, I mean, to create some more context in this conversation too. So Kyle has obviously gotten introduced to this. He's heard it through a podcast, then he got a book and then he's read a little bit about it and, and, in, in, in more leisurely capacity too. Um, and I am very much like novice, I just kind of tuned in. I, once you we decide we we're going to talk about this, I kind of looked it up a little bit to see kind of the container we we're playing in, um, kind of get a little bit of a rough definition of what it... So this conversation is going to be a little bit more of like a discovery talk, like a discovering conversation, learning the definitions. Um, I'm hoping to learn something from this conversation. Um, I'm hoping to maybe understand a little bit more about myself, find that language like you're, you're referring to uh, of how it shows up for me. So I'm going to hopefully play the role of you know, hearing it for the first time and kind of like unpackaging it, asking the right questions. Um, and then we will kind of gonna have a healthy back and forth hopefully to kind of uh, unpackage it. And then, you know, hopefully at the end of it, we can have some takeaways uh, in terms of like things that we want to continue to learn about, things that we are still kind of hesitant about or don't really fully understand. But um, either way, I think it's an interesting conversation to have because um, it serves that bigger picture of getting, understand yourself a little bit better. And anytime you know yourself
1: better, you seem to make better decisions, so. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more.
0: My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and
1: vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like it said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. So from, from my knowledge, from my experience anyway so far, I think we found that there are there seems to be a lot of different types of research on this. And a lot of them kind of fall in line with each other, some of them contradict each other a bit, and it can be a little confusing. And so what we're hoping, again, to do here is just to kind of discover with you and just know that, um, you know, all of this, again, is still perspective based, everything that we kind of share and learn. And and even the five love languages we shared last week is still very perspective based, while there's very much truth, and it applies to what feels like everyone. um, It's still perspective based, right? So you're still going to take what you can. So from my research, and I think that we aligned on this earlier, is that there are three generalized uh, attachment styles. And when we say attachment styles, from my context, it's very much like just how do you um, attach or unattach from your intimate relationships? How are you associating with them? And what is the language or reference you feel like is worth it? So we'll talk about them and give characteristics. So the three that I found are secure, anxious, and avoidant. So secure being the, the first one, anxious being the second one, avoidant being the third one. Those are the three that I found from the book attached itself. And then what ends up happening is you start to get into a combination of them where it's like anxious avoidance. And um, what's another one I have here? It's dismissive avoidance and uh, you know fearful avoidance. And there's lots of other contexts, which I think complicates it a bit for sure. And so I think From where I have taken it so far, it's just kind of better to understand the three. And once Mm -hmm. you understand the three, then you feel, you know, a lot better about the language that you can place to it rather than making it confusing for yourself. So I know from my understanding, you found the same three, right? Yep. The exact
0: same three. Yeah. Yeah. And then and so there's, there was subsections of you know as you kind of the people who've done more deeper research on it they've you know split avoidance into multiple different characteristics but the the main three are that security um, secure avoidance and anxious.
1: So when you read this all you know I think it's super cool to to listen to first time learnings of all of this you had to go through it and then you're like okay which one's me right you had mm-hmm. to do the like hmm does this resonate with me does it not is this really what I feel like I am and is my ego going to block me from making me feel like I'm one of these that doesn't really sound too good uh, which one resonated with you first like which one were you like mm, damn it I don't want to say it but I think that's me um I think I think avoidant was definitely
0: like there's characteristics in all of them that were true right there's a lot of there's a lot of characteristics that I think um you know I think ideally I aim for secure um, and obviously mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, will explain these terms more. Uh, but I think avoidant was the one that, um, uh, that resonated with me the most in terms of kind of like, the only thing I wasn't hundred percent sure on was, um, avoidant and how they were, is that more of a detached style or an attached style? Cause it just felt like to me, like when I was like, kind of reading the literature is it like, it's how do you attach an avoidant? You know what I mean? Um, how do you attach and avoid avoidant to me seems like someone who's running away, not someone who's going towards. And so to have it as an attachment style, i I, I was I was trying to having a hard time, even though I understood kind of the definition of it. Like when it was written, I'm like, okay, I kind of get what they're trying to get at, written wise, but I'm having a language block right now between mm. like perceiving attachment and avoidance together. Um, is there could you do you have like a clear way
1: of like separating it? Do you kind of, um, I think that, uh, I like what you're saying, because I do think it actually does add an interesting element of like attachment style would reference like how we are attaching to, um, and then avoidance says you're not attaching. So it's exactly. like, okay, well, this is, this is obviously confusing. And I think it's literally just, um, it's not receiving or Uh, or not just receiving attachment, it's how are you just involving attachment in general? How do you see attachment is really where I think the attachment style comes from. How do you visualize or perceive attachment? And that's like the blanket, that's the top of the umbrella. And then however you perceive that is how you will attach or not attach or sorry, not attach. So it's one or the other. Um, that's how I kind of did it. So like secure obviously means you know um, you, you're healthy, but then the avoidance says I don't want to attach at all, which is how you view attachment is I don't attach. that's mm-hmm. that's how I feel like it's its context is I just don't do that. That's not for me. Um, but that's still the blanket term. That's still like how you know how I'm relationally. If that makes sense, Got I don't know you. if that helps at all.
0: Hundred percent, no, that definitely helps, and I mean that's why, like in the literature, like the way it was written sounded like me, like someone who's avoiding the attachment, like mm. because of the the maybe I'm not ready for the results of the attachment, or I'm not like I'm I'm perceiving I'm not ready to be attached with anybody, so I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding the, um, you know. I often say like sometimes in my dating life, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking applicants. Like I'm literally avoiding the situation. Like I'm just running from it. I don't want the smoke. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. um, where I'm not, I'm not one who attaches anxiously. Like I'm not someone who like, I'm, I, I've I've felt very self-efficient for a while. I'd rather avoid it all than to like anxiously attach onto somebody else. You know what I mean? And, and have them, have them validate whatever kind of things I'm going through or whatever the case may be. Like, I'm just going to attach onto you. And like, I'm anxious. I'll hopefully like, you know, get some confidence from you, maybe, or whatever the case may be. Um, And secure sounds like the ability to kind of just come to the party with understanding of like, I'm good, you're good. You know, let's, 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 let's let's, let's attach in a very healthy way and work through our kind of um, our problems. So I think avoiding for me is definitely um, the one that I've kind of the space I've lived in for a long time um, Hmm. is this idea of like, I'm working on myself, I'm getting better, um, you know, I'm avoiding um, figuring it out together. I'm just going to figure it out and then I'll come in. I'll be secure and we can go from there. Mm. Um, But definitely playing the avoidance game for sure.
1: Fair, fair. I appreciate your honesty. I think that um, one thing that's, that's let's maybe backtrack here for a second. I realized that we kind of got into it and then everyone's like, what the hell is avoidant? Like, what are you guys even talking about? Um, So just to give context, these three specific attachment styles, what they come from is uh, essentially they were developed during infancy. And they're based on our relationships with our earliest caregivers. So how we were attaching or not attaching to our caregivers. So essentially, if you think about it, you were born helpless, right? You come out of the womb, you're helpless. You, you, you can't fend for yourself. So then you're hardwired to search for and attach to a reliable caregiver for protection. So you start to attach to the people that are raising you, your parents, essentially, or your your uh, your guardians. And however, that attachment style was given to you is likely how you are going to attach to others in the future. Same thing with the five love languages. Right. It's likely that um, almost guaranteed that that's how you're going to attach. Now, the challenge is that how many memories do we really have of feeling attached between zero and seven? Right. The, The psychological barrier age. How many memories do we have of that, of feeling attached? Mm, It's kind of tough. It's tough to reflect on that. So what I think these three give is like, how do I recognize it now? And just almost have the knowing that this is almost kind of how I received it, you know? So let's, going through the three, um, the first one we mentioned was secure, right? So the ability to form secure, healthy and loving relationships with others, you can trust others, you're not afraid of intimacy, and you're not panicked when that person needs space. You're also able to depend on them without becoming totally dependent. Now the research I found said caregivers are responsive and they're very attuned and in tune to your needs as a child. So it can go, I think many ways. I think, you know, we've come across a different theory these days where it says, um, don't allow the baby to become too attached to you. So sleep train it, sleep train the baby. So don't go coddle the baby, don't soothe it, right? Now, while that may have worked for some, what kind of attachment style is that creating, right? What kind of attachment style is that is that instilling in that person? If you're constantly saying no to that baby's needs, then that baby eventually will grow up to not necessarily have a secure attachment style. It might be avoided because it was avoided. You know what I mean? So that's where I think it's super interesting. And that's where the caregiver part comes through is how was it given to you? If you were overly coddled and you were overly like always, always given everything and like literally to the point where it probably was overkill, right? And I don't know what that looks like. Again, I'm just, I'm not a parent, right? So I'm kind of speaking from third party. Um, then you might be f- or more focused on an anxious one, which essentially says, um, I'm worried my partner will leave me because that is what you felt. You was always there it was always given to you. You never really had to fend for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, The number or sorry, number two is anxious, which is a form of insecure attachment style. And so is avoidant. Avoidant is a form of insecure attachment style. Uh, And anxious says often worries about if their partner will leave them. They're very hungry for validation. There's a slight sense of neediness and clinginess. um, And it's also can be known as the anxious or preoccupied space. Um, So, this one resonates for me personally um which I'll explain a little bit more this is kind of how I have evolved in my relationships and then I'm kind of now working again towards the ideal secure the secure space right that I think that we're all looking to have a secure relationship that that feels good that feels grounded the one that you were talking about avoid it is um fears intimacy has troubles getting closer trusting others um often or are present as emotionally unavailable And often uh, can be seen as dismissive or avoidant uh, or sorry, called dismissive avoidant. So those are the three that I found. And, you know, it's funny, even just reading these out, I'm like, I don't want to identify with any of that. (laughs) My ego is like, wait, did you just say you were, you were an anxious attachment? And then you just literally out loud said hungry for validation. Like that doesn't sound good, you know? Uh, And that was, that was one of my queries with finding out all this information is like, really? That's 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 how you're defining me, really. Oh, and now I gotta I gotta share this on a podcast. Oh, now the world knows. Ah, it did not feel good. It did not feel good. And so I really think what attachment styles do do is they're great ego work. So what I've known so far, they're great ego work. But I like I said earlier, their language, right? Mm -hmm. Now I feel like okay, I might not be all of these characteristics in the anxious but at least I understand like that is uh, if I want to work towards getting into a secure space, I know what I'm doing now. As far as language goes, I can see it. And now I can start working on those little pieces to get towards a more secure space. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's not only is it language, it's um, it's
0: just the work. It shows you where you need to be in the work, right? It's like, it it makes you feel more aligned because for, for me, I mean, if somebody knows me, they would be like, uh you know anwar talks about relationships all the time anwar is you know like an aspiring someone who wants to be a father and wants to be a husband and wants to be so you know i hang a lot i, I hang a lot on the the idea of being in a partnership a lot but then my attachment style is avoidant so like i'm clearly literally like i'm literally going left on what i'm, I'm saying i want right which is like for me to have language, it's like, okay, well, which one are you, you know, it's like, and if you can't put language to, you know, the, your attachment style, um, then you might just be someone who perceives as if you're taking a hiatus, you're just working on yourself and you live in fluff land for way too long, you're pretending as if you're you know, um, it's it, it creates a different energy when you're like, avoiding sounds like I need to do something about it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, you're avoiding. You're not working on yourself. Anwar, you are avoiding, like mm. you are avoiding your, are you scared of intimacy? Like, how does that Like if someone said that to you and I was like, am I scared of intimacy? Right. Maybe I am like, maybe I'm not just like avoiding to avoid. I'm like, maybe I'm scared of opening up to somebody in a very vulnerable state. And I'm not ready for the challenges that come with that, though. I might be ready for the
1: responsibilities that come with the relationship. Like there's differences, right? Like mm-hmm. it's and one thing that you spoke about that I didn't share is that I did find a fourth one, and I think we might have found a similar one that's called fearful avoidant. So the word fearful has been added, and what this is is a combination of anxious and avoided. So you're you're both, and I, I find this super interesting because I think I hear this actually a lot in uh, in people's lives is that they're they're really desiring and craving affection, and yet want to avoid it altogether. It's like I want it so bad, but just like Mm, get away from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a strong desire to be loved. And yet they're highly resistant to creating intimate relationships. So there's the contrast, right? Of like, what is this? I want it, but I don't want it. Like I fear it, but I don't fear it. Like there's this, mm-hmm. this back and forth in the mind. And what I also found is they said that there's not really a ton of research on this one, but they said that the research they have done, it says this has been linked to heightened sexual behavior, uh, increase in risk of violence and difficulty regulating emotions and I found this super interesting now again this is a generalization this doesn't mean that everyone has that but I found it just all this information super fascinating of like repercussions of being in this desire and not desire space of having no idea which route you want to go um, has adverse side effects sometimes or can because, it, you know, I, well, I really don't actually even really know the answer. It's just the the repercussions sometimes of being, in, I guess, indecisive. Um, I'm not sure. I guess I'm just kind of learning as we go in this conversation. But that, I think, resonated kind of with what you were just saying a little bit. Is like, I want it really badly. But then I'm like, get away from me. Like, I don't want to talk. Or like, you start speaking and you're like, mm, no, I thought I wanted it. I didn't want it anymore, you know? Um, it's, a, it's an interesting combination of the two.
0: 100%. And like, I had it highlighted, right? Like, I was like... You know, I kind of wrote them all out. I was like, you know, which one am I? And then one that I ended up coming to was fearful avoidance. Like, that's the one that mm. I am. Like, the one that I am is this person who's in the middle who has a high desire for it, but is clearly avoiding it, is highly anxious about maybe the the outcome of, if you were to let go or you were to get in that intimate space, what would happen? Mm. Um, you know, and so for me, it's almost like, but the, the awkward part about this is that, like, you know, what's really interesting about this stuff is I've done a personality test too, separate from this. Okay. And um, in the personality test, one of the there was a bunch of different categories, but one of the categories was emotionality. And emotionality was a score from one to 10. They all go one to 10. And if you were a 10, it means that like emotional decisions, like, you are you're highly sensitive to. Like Mm -hmm. if if I was in a business, like I would, it basically was saying then it like, it highlights, you know, it gives you examples. And it was like, okay, I scored a nine out of 10 on emotionality, which basically essentially implied that if there was a decision that needed to be made that had high consequential uh, emotional like actions, I would not be able to make that call. I would struggle with that call because there's too much emotion involved in the call. Like Mm -hmm. if we have to lay off half our workforce, I wouldn't be the best person to make that call because my I'm a nine out of 10 on emotionality. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have where someone lower on that scale could make a business decision and make that call and not be so caught up in the emotions in that call. Like they can just make that call, know what's the best thing that needs to be done. We're going through a pandemic. We can't carry all these salaries. We're going to, where my brain would rather deal with the least emotional like I would try to figure out the problem without having to put the emotional strain in. I'd be like, how do we, how can we, everyone keep their job and we can still figure out a way to, um, mm-hmm. so it just, it's, it's just really interesting. Cause it's like, now I know, I know that about myself. So I'm a nine out of 10 on that. So I know I carry this a lot of like, and then I'm like, hmm, no wonder I sit at a cross order between like emotional decisions. Cause I don't want to deal with the repercussions of a negative reaction to this emotional thing that we're about to gain into. Mm-hmm. We're about to go into a relationship there's a high chance that could be fit and we could fail, and my deal with emotions at such a high level, I feel everything so much that I'm like, let me just avoid. Why don't I just avoid the problem? Then I won't be emotionally invested in the problem. Like, wow. then I can't. You know what I mean? If I don't start it, then it doesn't. Then I don't have to deal with that laying off moment where like it has to end. And now there's the emotions um, because it's harder for me to get out of something. I'll fight for something to the death rather than give it up, even though it might not be good for me because there's just too many emotions involved. Right. Uh, and I can't see it clearly. So it's like, it's funny when I blend all these worlds together and go, okay, this, I, it's congruent with my personality. This makes sense that I would just sit on the fence and just go, I, 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 I emotional decisions are hard for me to engage in because I know how I react um, and how I've done, re- and I ha- and I have reacted. So um that's why I think that it's very interesting for me that these things exist. Uh, But that's also cool to just know another layer of like, okay, well, I'm taking two tests and putting them together, you know, Um, because if I thought that maybe if I was lower, say I'm a five on that emotionality scale and none of these scales are perfect, by the way, they're just tests. You do, um, you know, they just all these personality tests, all these things, they just kind of shed a little bit of light on potentially how you might be. and so same with horoscopes, like they're not exactly who you are. They're just ways that you could be. And if they resonate, they resonate. If they don't, they don't. Um, but if I was maybe like a five on the emotionality scale, maybe I'd be more willing to take a risk in getting into something and like trying it out because the, I, can, I can stomach the failure of it better, which would put me in a position of like actually finding that thing that I'm looking for. Right. It's almost like I'm trying to play the perfection game. I'm trying to find out, like, I'm trying to make it perfect before I enter the game. And that's why I'm in this, like, I really want it, but I want it to be perfect to start. And it's not, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And I have to do a lot of work in figuring out how can I make this work for me? How Mm. can I, how can I be willing to give it a chance without, um, without being so fearful of the outcome and stop Mm. thinking about the outcome, to be honest, like, Mm Get, get rid of the outcome completely right know? um which has just been a hard challenge for me um mm-hmm.
1: to do so absolutely absolutely such a great share and i think that's it's really going to resonate with a lot of men for sure uh, and i think that one thing that you kind of mentioned is like the work right and knowing like what to do with it all and i think that was that that's my biggest query with this attachment style is that you read the book and even in the book uh, or if, when you start reading through the stuff it's like what you start to think, okay, cool. Now I know, cool. I resonate with this. This is great. Uh, The the challenge is that I do believe that this research and understanding this has really only, only just put language to it. I really think that's all we've done. As far as like what to do next and how to work through this, And like it's that stuff isn't really available and also isn't presented when you start to research attachment style. So it can become a little frustrating. And that's where I realized, oh, interesting. I didn't do my homework. I didn't find out enough information. And yet here I was preaching about attachment styles, go research them, go look it up. But I didn't do that fully myself yet. And I didn't have the chance to be like, oh, okay, what do I do now? Because then I probably would have had a different tune. I probably wouldn't have been singing so loud about it, right? Now that we kind of understand it, right. To, to some extent, I think for, for, for you, you said avoidant and fearful avoidant for me, it's definitely anxious. Um, I noticed that, and for me that comes from an abandonment mood. I felt like my father was, uh, had abandoned me. And so when I started to get into relationships, I started to be like, okay, you know, do what, do everything you can to make sure they don't abandon you do everything you can be the best don't, don't F up, don't make mistakes. Don't do the wrong thing. If you do well, oh, they're going to leave you do everything to make it. Okay. Um, self-sacrifice, so like do all of these things. Cause I feared abandonment. And that's very much an, an anxious, anxious, attachment style. Um, and so that's where mine comes from. But then I started to analyze in here. I'm like, okay, cool. I get that. Like, here's my abandoned wound, wound, wound. Here's my anxious attachment style. Um, now what, now what, what do I, what do I how do? How do I go at this? So when you talk about the work, what, what is the work? What do you feel like that that entails now? Because we said we don't really have the great resources, but for you and for me, we're both very much like, uh, what's the word? We're very capable of finding out how to figure that out and what to do. And we're very um, um, proactive in that sense. We're like, let's go, let's figure this out. So now that you've known this and we've kind of done some research, what do you feel is like, like, what do I need to do now?
0: Yeah, I think, I think, I think for me, what I need to do is just, just first, first things first is just to find alignment with like, you know, what I want and who I am, you know, mm. I think in order to get what you want, you got to sometimes you got to, you got to become the person who desires those things, you know, it's so for me, I'm, I'm sitting in a bit of an awkward situation. It's like, I know what I want, and I'm not showing up as you know, the person who can achieve Oof. what they want. Marvel. Um and so I'm stuck. And, you know, and for me, the work is getting unstuck. You know, for me, the work is uh, figuring out a way to um, reposition the, the challenge and the obstacle. Right. And I, what I mean by that is um, I want to in most things in my life, I need to stop getting out of the playing the game in my head and play it in real life, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of times where I'm trying to solve problems internally and they're external problems. You know, like I can't you can't solve love inside love is solved outside. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to, you can't, there's things that I can choose what job I want to, you know, be, or I could pick a job and try it and quit and whatever. Um, you can't force love. That's not, there is no, there is no resume that you get to look at and go, yeah, this is the one, or, you know, there is no, there is no checklist. It's all work. All of it is work. Right. And so, um, being able to understand that, you know, the crossroads that I'm at is I'm trying to serve. I'm trying to solve an external problem internally, and it's not going to work that way. I'm going to have to try and be okay with the the results of what I, the efforts, and and using those as markers as why I'm what I'm going to do next. Versus um, trying to solve answers in my head. As like, if I'm dating, I'll, I'll, I'll give it more. I'll give it more of a real example. People, people will connect with it better. You're better off going on the date and then going home and analyzing the date and making your decision on, do I want a second date? Then looking at someone and be like, I don't think I could date them. Should I date them? Should I not date them? Should I? Because the reality is that the date will tell me more. And what Mm. I'm doing right now is I'm trying to analyze the date from like third party vibes. Like I'm trying to be Mm. like on the surface, what does this person give me? And how does that relate to my life? And blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to piece it all together. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, you got to go on the date and give this person a chance to, to be, to give you real information, real data points that you can actually be like, they made me laugh. I like that. They did this. I like that. And continuing to trust the process of allowing the, allowing someone to, and that I'm clearly speaking to existence right now I got to open up to the idea of somebody else selling themselves to me versus me selling them on me that makes sense I'll say mm-hmm. that slower I need to give someone else their opportunity to sell themselves to me versus me trying to sell myself onto them right like if I wanted to if I wanted to say there's ex girl in front of me right now right I need to let her be the person who steals the show and I get to be the observer of the show versus me trying to be a critic and just like analyze the show from without her even like, like checking the list off myself. Like you don't do this. You don't do this from my perception. You don't do this. You don't do that. That's all I, those those are all my projections onto them. That's all what I'm perceiving. That's my projection Um, versus letting them just kind of, you know, be themselves and me being, someone who goes, I like that or I don't like that, you know, and then I can kind of go from there. Um, And also being okay with failure. I think I need to accept that a little bit. Like I'm Mm. I'm scared to fail in a relationship. Like, which is like this crazy. Like a lot of relationships fail. The reality is, is that you're trying to find one naturally that game implies that you have to fail more than you're going to succeed. Like when have we ever gone to a a store and won a lottery ticket first go, right? (laughs) Like, it's like, if you're, we're, we're playing the lot we're playing the game of love lottery, right? It's one ticket, one ticket which means you have to roll up the rim and try again multiple times to get the one donut. Like it's not, this is not a game of, um, I want to accept that, which I don't think I fully have accepted. I think I'm still trying to play this perfect game of like, I could do it once I could go, mm-hmm. I could, I could do it at one at bat. I just need to like, be better at knowing myself and what I know. And I've gone down the rat hole of like, well, if I can know myself very, very well, then I will file for sure. will nail this. Oh, for sure. We'll nail this pin on the donkey and get the right person and be like, Hey, I know myself. So you are the one. Mm. Um, I just don't think that there, it doesn't allow for a, um, it doesn't even allow for someone to pick me either, which is, you know, I'm realizing that in this conversation, like mm. you don't give the opportunity for somebody to choose you when you're, when you're, when you're hunting like that, when you're like, when you're in this perception of like, I know myself, therefore I'm going to go out there and find what's right for me. I'm going to go find, I'm going to go find. Then you eliminate your ability to be found. um, And for someone to want to have a relation with you. Um,
1: And so I, I hear you. Yeah. There's a lot that, 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 that there's there. There was a lot and I love it all. I think that some of the things that I want to kind of bring context to, because um, I think that uh, the initial thought process of when you said it, I was like, "Mm, I don't like that. But I think I understand what he means Um, is very much like when we're talking about the idea of you can't force love. I think that was really well said. You can't force love, right? And at the same time, though, I believe that um, or I, I subscribe to the the idea that Um, In order for love to be given to you, then you also first have to be giving it to yourself. So in some level, it is an inside job where loving yourself is one of the most biggest components of the process. If you don't do that, then you will rely on them to feel that love. And I know that to be true from experience. Didn't love myself therefore found that someone else loved me, didn't make me feel better necessarily about myself. It just was like, oh, cool. They love me. Therefore, I don't have to love me because they love me. So on some level, it is a deep inner work where it's like, do I love myself? Do I love this about myself? This about myself? Am I loving myself? But what I think you did counter with was that the idea that um, when you are constantly analyzing if it's going to work or not before you've even attempted to, that is where I think that the inside work really comes into play of like, am I just, am I shooting myself in the foot before I even get onto the playing field? Like, am I, am I literally saying I have an injury when I don't? So that way I don't have to go up and run this hundred meter sprint, you know, like, am I just literally making up things and, trying to protect myself in a way that's really what we're doing is we're just trying to protect ourselves. but it is a lot of fear based so i think that was a beautiful kind of wrap around and i think you got to that space where you're like okay yeah this is kind of where i want and um yeah i think that it was beautifully said the other thing that i heard was um the idea of like selling and i think that i used to also think that same space of like, okay, like I'm here trying to sell myself to you, I'm trying to be my best self. So, you know, who I am and what I do and all that stuff. Um, and I think that as I started to use that word more, it kind of felt like I was, you know, marketing myself and like trying to create buzzwords and, um, you know, fancy photos and all of like the perfect. Right. And I, I know I've done that in the past where I've just perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm perfect. Um, and then when I got into the nitty gritty of that statement and I'm like, okay, we're, you know, we're just trying to sell to subscribe. Um, it was something uh, along the lines of like, I didn't really feel like the word selling resonated with me. And again, I'm not trying to project my reality onto yours. Um, so if that's is working for yourself or for anybody who's listening, power to you. Um, My only for myself, my concern with how I was operating with it was that um, I wasn't being authentic anymore because I was trying to prove my worth as if I wasn't worthy. And so therefore I was doing things that I maybe wouldn't normally do, or were like presenting the idea of like, I can pay for all your things because I wanna make sure you know, like I got you, right? Even maybe I can't afford it, but I wanna sell myself that way. So you think higher of me and you see more value in me than you see somebody else. And that got me a bit in trouble because I didn't have that, that, that situation. I didn't have that experience, but that's what I was selling that's the ticket I was selling. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was where I got a little wrapped up in. So I just kind of wanted to um, share my perspective on that statement and um, the idea that um, like when I was selling myself, I was selling a a, a version of myself that wasn't necessarily always true. And that I was trying to make sure that they didn't see the shadow side or the dark side of me and that like that didn't exist or that it wasn't okay for me to have that side of myself um, when you know love and unconditional love embraces that side. It says I like that side. I I'm, I want to support you on that side too because I know it's not all the it's not all the 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 grand show, the concert, you know, the perfect performance. It's very much it's raw, it's real, um, and it's in your face, and that's hard to deal with. And I think I always feared that. I was same with you, I was like fearful. Like don't see this part of me. Don't can't show you that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm struggling in this area of my life. I'm not gonna tell you that though because I don't want you to think of me less. I want to make sure you know I'm a good person, so I'm not gonna tell you these things. I'm not I'm gonna wait. And hopefully I fix them before you find out or I figure mm-hmm. them out before you find out. Um, yeah, so just the, the, I love what you said though. I think that all of it was just so beautiful and it's all of the work, right? That's, that's, that's what we're doing here together. And what we're hoping to support is like, this is the work. This is, it's just perspectives. It's realizing it's aha moments that you feel like you almost just had as well. It's like, I'm unpacking this as I talk about it. And I love that we have this space together where we just talk about it. And we said today, today's a discovery call. So all of these things are flowing out of us on the fly only simply because we're both here being like, you know what, let's have this conversation. Maybe I won't ever have it again, but let's have it. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Where are you? Where am I? What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's literally the basis of the of the podcast, I think. I'm, I'm I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but that's that's just what I took from everything you gave me. I loved it. I was I unraveled in it.
0: No, it's nice when you're kind of having aha moments or you're having kind of, your, you know, your first realizations and then someone else is unpackaging it. And like, they, like you hear what they gravitated to, what you said, what you didn't say. Um, Cause you always think that what you're saying maybe makes sense. And then it comes out and you're like, ah, oh, I missed the mark there or whatever. And so it's great hearing the soundboard back. Cause yeah, totally. I definitely, I definitely did not mean, you know, internal work in terms of like, I think, how you said it is exactly how I meant internal work for yourself is very important internal work for companionship is not as valuable to you like. Trying to do the internal work for somebody else like where you who you're trying to like the, the analyzing space that you're talking about. I'm trying to answer your own questions try to like you know th- the best way to answer a question about somebody else is to ask them the question. Mm. like Not to not to answer for them, because mm-hmm. now you're. Now you're answering questions. Now you're in that that internal re- game that I'm talking about. Like, you, now you're playing, you're trying to play an external game internally. I know how they think about that. And then once you play that game, you even do this with our friendships. You start assuming that, you know, friends, like you start assuming how, you know, what you're doing there is you're not allowing that person to evolve. They could mm-hmm. have changed. And, you know, the assumption of, you know, um, how someone might be is a very dangerous game to play. You know, it's a very dangerous game to play. And it's even more dangerous in a companionship. Because I think that if you're at least a friend, you might know them for a couple of years and you might have a good guess at what they would think or what they Mm -hmm. would want. And someone you've never met before, you've had a couple hangouts with, they could have been showing up to that party in that context and showing up in a way that wasn't even authentic to them because that's how that environment made them feel. And here Mm -hmm. you are leaving with data that is inaccurate to who they are as a person. And now they're written off. Because of how they were at that one party, you know what I mean? Where if you had just asked or asked a question or, hey, I um, I saw you at that one party. Like, do you, do you often like, you know, like talk about these? Are you passionate about that? Are you not passionate about that? And they're like, no, honestly, I just was put on the spot and I just didn't know the answer. And I just answered it that way. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now I have my real answer for how I think about you in that moment versus whatever I perceived. And it's dangerous mm-hmm. when you're just living off of a perception of people. Um, and it's all internal. You've done that all you projected you onto this person. And that's why I'm like, give people the opportunity to show them your value. Don't close that door off yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and we do it in interviews and stuff all the time, right? Like I, and being in a recruiter seat is very easy to write somebody off after or off a resume. Very easy to read a resume and write them off. You want to enter your dating life like that. Good luck. You know what I mean? There's so much that is in the interview that like will, will actually tell you about the person. Yay or nay. Good mm-hmm. questions how they answer them. And I think that often in life, we, we, and I've lived in, I'm guilty of this is I've lived off of the resume and I haven't even gotten to the interview phase. And I've just been screening people off of resumes. You know, my perception of what I perceive about your resume is Mm. next, 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 next. And that doesn't open up a conversation or a dialogue for that person to show you their value. And that's Mm -hmm. what I mean. Let them sell themselves to you. Give them the opportunity to like put their best foot forward and say, this is who I am. These are my flaws. These are my goods. These are my bads. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, and then live your life off of like that filter. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I want to be more open about is I'm curious about this person. I don't love everything, but I'm curious enough to entertain a conversation. And let's go, you know, um, versus writing off a bunch of people that, you know, because God forbid someone wrote me off off of a checklist, right? Like that's right. That's the, like the reason why I'm so passionate about that is I'm like what if someone looks at my resume and is writing me off and doesn't give me a chance to speak for exactly. myself. Exactly. Like I'm so much more than that resume. Like that's how that's what I'm preaching, right? But I'm I'm acting as if the opposite of that. I'm acting right. as if I'm not even giving someone the opportunity to share their piece with me, you know, cuz I'm screening them. So it's 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 a catch 22. It's like you don't want to be judged so don't judge, you know what I mean? And so um, but it's work. That's work to get over that. That is work to be able mm-hmm. to be big enough to understand, like I'm playing a bad game in here. I got to start adjusting my uh, strategy. To if I want to, if I want abundance and love and if I want, um, and all I'm doing is I'm prolonging failure. You know what I mean? The reality is, is that the quicker I fail, the f- maybe hopefully the faster I find this person, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, so prolonging failure as if I'm going to become Einstein tomorrow and figure out how to read a resume perfectly for me is just, Is just a backwards mentality of finding love, I think.
1: Kind of what I wanted to touch on next um, is the idea of having these attachment styles, but feeling like maybe one of them doesn't fully resonate with you. And the reason why I say this is because I think that on some level, we all have... um, secure areas or secure thought processes. I think that on some level, we feel very secure about certain things, right? Maybe it's financially secure or you feel um, emotionally secure or whatever. I feel like there's security in some level that we feel sometimes. But then we read the anxious and we're like, oh, well, then maybe I'm just anxious. And I think that what I have learned from this space is that I sometimes can present different ones. I think that like putting me in a box um, doesn't always make it feel like, okay. And I don't think we need to. I think that sometimes I present avoidant, right? Sometimes I'm dismissive because I want to just get out of this, this experience. I just want to not do this. Um, And so that's kind of very much to me, the, the shutdown idea that men have a lot is I'm just shutting down, which is very avoidant, right? It's not really anxious. Um, But then sometimes I'll have my anxious moments. And then sometimes I'll have my really secure moments. And I think that it's just opening up the door to be like, listen, I'm a human damn being. Like I am just doing my best and things come up. And I'm doing my best to approach them. And I wanted to share an example. The other day I was out for dinner and um, uh, my partner next to me got a text and it was like 11 45 and it was late. And in my head, I'm like, what the hell? It's so late. Like, and so I felt inside of me jealousy kick in. Right. I just, I felt it. I knew it was there. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, whatever. Like you, you, you know, you're secure in this space You're fine. And then I thought about it again later. And I'm like, why am I thinking about this again? This is kind of annoying. And so then I started to be like, oh, maybe I'm insecure about this. And as I got into it, I realized it's okay. You know, like it's okay to feel these things. It's part of the experience. And to d- deny that that's coming up doesn't do me a service or the other person. So I brought it up very simply. And I said, hey, like it was late. Like, is everything okay? Someone someone was messaging you late. And they were like, yeah, it was X, Y, Z. Um, and I'm like, perfect, sounds good. And then it was gone. We moved on. And for me, it was kind of a, a beautiful representation of like what you said, just, just ask some questions, get curious, right? Be open to these kinds of conversations and have a partner that is understanding as well of like, they have those moments too. And it's natural. I feel like we're fighting off so many of these natural parts of the human experience because Media portrays relationships as this beautiful, blissful, perfect experience where you're not supposed to do this and not supposed to feel that. And um, I feel like these attachment styles don't necessarily represent that, but they have the ability to. Where, like, if you're in the anxious one, and sometimes you're feeling a little needy, well, that's telling you something about yourself in this moment of like, what do I need right now? Um, which is beautiful, actually, because it's representing like how you actually feel. Um, and B, like. That's part of the human experience. You were literally needy for the first however many years of your life. You're going to pretend like you weren't because you were. You were a child and helpless. You were needy at some point. And so I think it's about just acknowledging and honoring the experience without allowing it to take over your body, right? Without allowing it to take over your life. I could have let that experience throw me off the rocker. And that for me would have been like, whoa, I am heavily insecure and I have to figure this out. But it really, it was just more of an afterthought of like, what, I wonder what that was. And I hope everything is okay. And honestly, I'm just kind of curious. I would love to know. So I ask, right? But it can also be received as, well, you don't trust me. Mm -hmm. Well, you think I'm doing X, Y, Z, right? Which is about representing like a beautiful communicative space back and forth of like, you can ask me and I can ask you and we'll have a moment of it. And then we'll move forward with it. Cause I honor your experience and you honor mine. And that's perfectly okay. Um, but it's okay to have these moments, right? Like this, these attachment styles are not saying you're fearful avoidant. You must suck. Like you just, you suck at this. Like, well, why would I ever date you? People are listening. Like, oh, I really like Enwar, And then Enwar says he's fearful avoidant. I'm like, oh, just kidding. I don't want Enwar at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a representation of you as a, as a person in your character. There's still so much more to you, but you're just going through the work. And are we all? aren't we all going through the work? This is part of the process. Relationships are literally mirrors. Even this friendship here, you're mirroring things back to me. And I'm like, whoa, didn't see that before about myself. Relationships are just a highly elevated level of that. And to deny the mirror is like, okay, well to deny your own reality, you know? And that never feels good. You don't want to suppress that. So that's kind of how I started to recognize these attachment styles is like, it's okay to feel these ways. It's Mm -hmm. just about honoring it and being like, okay, what what do I want to do now? how do I want to respond rather than react to whatever I felt was my box?
0: Exactly. And it goes back to something we spoke about before in a previous podcast about triggers. Like you can't control triggers. Like, you know, they just happen What well, you can control is what happens next.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and these attachment styles are the same things. If like, you know, that, that, that jealousy kicks in or that anxiousness kicks in or that avoidance kicks in or whatever it is that kicks in, um, What you deal with it next is really what's going to control whether you let that spiral you out or whether you get the control of that moment back you know what i mean and um being able to have a safe space whether it's a friendship or a partnership or a relationship that will ultimately allow you to respond in a favorable way which will allow you to kind of you know become bigger than the moment you know become bigger than the situation become bigger than the trigger um but when there's nothing worse than a trigger coming happening in, a, in, a, in an environment that doesn't feel safe, that mm-hmm. doesn't feel, cause then now the trigger is manifesting and it's getting wind and it's now it's, now it's a big fire. And now it's right. like, you know, it's, it's getting bigger versus being able to kind of like, you know, shut it down at the source, you know, it happened. It was a moment. I apologize. We move mm-hmm. on, you know what I mean? And we can kind of deal with things and, and we all have these deep rooted things. And that's why like, I feel like triggers too, in a very similar context, we don't know where they come from. Like we don't really even know on the surface like when it irritates you or when that agitation happens, we don't know where it's coming from. All we know is that in this moment that doesn't feel good. You know, mm-hmm. that I don't enjoy that. Um, I was listening to a song the other day and uh, it was just a little, um, it was a stormsy song. And in the beginning of it, it's like, it's, it's the beginning of like a couple of guys getting into a fight. Um, and, uh, The line that just stuck with me was the guy goes, I'm not, he says, I'm not going to lie. He's like, I'm not going to lie to you, big man, but I'm getting pissed right now. Like, and it was just like the, like the the acknowledgement of like, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm mad now. Like I'm upset, like something happened and it was just like, and then then they get into like a little fight and it's a little like skit beforehand. But it's just like the the sentence structure implies that like his surroundings were like, he was okay with being like, Hey, I'm not going to lie to you guys right now. I am getting pissed, like, I'm mm-hmm. getting mad, like, which, which now allows the room to deal with that appropriately. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not gonna lie to you right now. I think that, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I'm really jealous right now, Or I, I Why did that happen? Or what mm-hmm. is going on here? Or Hey, I'm not, versus how many times do we have that feeling? We just go, push it right back down. Like, even though it's a very, if someone told you to describe that feeling, be able to like pinpoint it to a like exact, you know exactly what it is, but we don't speak about it.
1: You right. know, exa-
0: like I was upset, I was angry, I was sad, I was just. You know exactly what it is, but you don't say anything. And that is a testament to like how open or how closed your I feel like the dialogue in your relationship is. Right. Is if nine times out of ten you feel an emotion and you don't feel comfortable saying it out loud, then you're in a you're in a relationship that doesn't like like influence or uh, um, doesn't have a safe space or to communicate those things freely Mm -hmm. um and if you have one where like you know there's almost over to over like every emotion I feel like I can tell you then you're you know you're in maybe one that's too communicative or you know you can you can kind of pick and choose you know what I mean um but that's a telltale sign I think uh if, if when you're feeling something especially if it's a negative emotion that's a good test if you're feeling a negative emotion, or or an emotion that is perceived as negative, or is making you feel discomfort in a in a negative way, and you choose to not say that one, um, those are the ones where the most the most growth is. Like you said, the phoenix phoenix and fire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones that ultimately, actually, really need to be spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but absolutely absolutely so to kind of uh, i guess tie the loop on the three attachment styles and understanding them for ourselves um when you got into this process, you obviously learned a lot about yourself, right? And so did I, and we continue to in this conversation. And now to kind of bring it to, bring it to a close, um, what was your biggest lesson that you learned through this process? Um, what was the thing maybe you learned about yourself the most, or uh, maybe something you feel you still need to learn or want to learn? Uh, what kind of came up for you in that space, either through this conversation or through your research in regards to attachment styles?
0: That I got work to do. Hmm. Yeah, that I got, I got, I got work to do. Um, That's hella honest. I think that it's, you know, this is very, um, like you said, you know, conversations hold a mirror and I feel like this conversation held a mirror to me very specifically, you know, it, it, it even the fact that I, I was confused that like how could avoid it be in an attachment style? You know what I mean? Like mm. it just showed that my bot, but I was literally doing those things. Like I want attachment and I'm avoiding at the exact same time. Um, and so I think that, yeah, this just kind of speaks to and I've, I've said, you know, on this podcast before, like, I think the next five years of my life are um, I don't want to say the word impo- the most important because I think that you can have an important year in your life at any time in your life. Mm-hmm. I just think that some of the more pivotal moments are some of the more bigger chapters are coming for me. And a lot of them are outside of my internal world. Like, it's like I'm trying to create synergy between who I am as a person internally and my community and my friendships. And I'm really trying to, like, find the like. know and i feel really good about this with friendships and family but like it's like who's my person you know and i really am trying to put effort into like trying to open up that world as much as possible um and so just knowing the goals that i have in my mind and the goals i've set up for myself for these next five years and how committed i am to being able to like um be responsive to uh relationships and being open to meeting someone and all those things it pains me to know that doing the work here it just showed me that I'm not really that open. Like I'm not really, I'm not really preaching what I'm, I'm not taking my own advice essentially, you know? So um, if I really want that, you know, the next, these next five years to stand for something and to be able to open up the door to meet somebody, then I got to start working on some stuff and I got to really start being real about um, where I'm at with, you know, my attachment style and all those kind of things. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely feel like I got some work to do in this, in this space for sure. I also just Powerful. don't, don't like attaching to things too. I'm super highly independent. Like I, mm. I so just even the word attachment bothers me. Like, I don't like mm. that word. I don't like the word of attachment. Like I don't like, the, I don't like attachment to anything. Like if caffeine starts to control my life, I'm like, you're gone. Like anything that I feel like creates a level of two over dependencies, or I feel like I'm attached to it. I'm like, no, we don't do that. We don't do mm. over attachment. Um, because I just had this weird feeling of like being adaptable is the best way to be because what's like, cause then wh- what if I can't get coffee that day and I have to perform, then what now my personality is gone, you know, it's right. the idea of trusting yourself that like, you can love a coffee and it can make you feel better about certain things, but it's not who you are. It's not all the end. I'll be all you are who you are, you know, like, um, and so. It's just a, I got to I got to find a way to love the word in a way that's more meaningful, you know, because just naturally mm. on the surface. I don't like the word attachment. It sounds it sounds like I'm committed, like I'm sounds like I'm stuck somewhere. Um, um, I can unpack that
1: for hours. Um, uh, and for me, the biggest takeaway um, was just kind of really acknowledging that it, you don't have to fit in one of the boxes. I think that when I started to get into these things, I'm like, okay, which one am I? You know, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. where do I fit? Where, Where's my circle and where is the hole for the circle? How do I get that right? How do I find the perfect fit that matches everything? And it does kind of speak to the idea of even horoscopes that you keep bringing up. It's like, okay, perfect Pisces, but w- wait a second. That doesn't match up. So am I even a Pisces? What the hell? And I think it's just a, about this taking and, and each piece that you can resonate with that does resonate, right? And be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And it doesn't have to be just the word itself. Like it doesn't have to be anxious. It doesn't have to be avoidant. It can be both, it could be all three. Um, It can be whatever it is because it is, right? And we don't wanna deny that. And that was one thing that I had to, or I am learning to take away is that I might have avoidant styles. I might have anxious styles and I know I have secure styles. So how do I work with all of this to just help me better myself and better with the relationships that I'm in. Um, but that was hard for me. That was hard because I think we live in a, in a box world. We really do live in a box world. Here's your name, here's your title, here's your role, here's your box house with their box rooms and here's your box containers and here's your box microwave and your box phone, like boxes are everywhere, right? And so for me, it was kind of like, I feel like I need to fit inside this box and it didn't fully resonate. So it was a bit of a challenge. So that was my takeaway. Don't worry so much about fitting in the box. What's up everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I Hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious Kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.